Good morning. Today I will be reading an excerpt from a paper written for a curriculum design course at Temple University in, I believe, 2009. This paper explores the link between inquiry-based curriculum units and genre theory. An overview of rhetorical genre theory is followed by a discussion of genre-based pedagogy and an exploration of Smith and Wilhelm's model of meaningful learning. Rhetorical genre theory. Bolarchi, 2003, provides an extensive overview of rhetorical genre theory and then promotes a genre-based approach to writing instruction as a means of uniting classical Aristotelian rhetoric with recent sociocultural assumptions of literacy. Genre theory helps us situate genres as scenes of writing, DeWitt, 2004, and throughout Bolarchi's text, genres are described as sites, locations, discursive spaces, cultural artifacts, familiar places, rhetorical habitats, nuanced repetitions, ecosystems, typified structures, situation types, and typified rhetorical strategies. Such descriptors call forth social, historical, and functional characteristics of genre. Indeed, they are the familiar places we go to create intelligible communicative action with each other and the guideposts we use to explore the unfamiliar. Bazerman, 1997, quoted in Bolarchi, page 25. This means that genres are not limited to literary types because genres are sites of communication that organize a range of social motives. And while genres may appear as fixed types, they are actually the results of social processes repeated so often as to appear fixed and secure. In actuality, genres have histories, and in these histories are written records of human communicative needs. Although the traces of such histories have faded into dust, they continue to inform the functional properties of genres. Rhetorical genre theory's orientation toward the social is influenced by researchers across fields as wide-ranging as applied linguistics, communication studies, sociology, education, rhetoric and composition studies, and social psychological and structuralist theories. Bazerman, 1997, Bawarshi, 2003. Halliday's 1985 systemic functional linguistics has been particularly generative. In their analysis of his approach to understanding grammar, Hillex and Smith, 2002, identify SFL's chief goal to be the systemic explanation of how language provides a resource for meaning. And they devote particular attention to Halliday's emphasis on function. Halliday's work calls attention to the differing ways genres function discursively, thereby suggesting which features students may have to learn to participate in the discourse of various fields. Hillux and Smith, 2002, page 726. Bawarshi, 2000, works through Halliday to explain the social nature of genre. By stepping outside text types and into situation types, Bawarshi looks to the limitless range of particular social semiotics that make up the recurring scenarios of life. 2000, page 350. Such recurring scenarios or situation types Example, mother reading bedtime story to child, customer ordering goods over the phone, are known to Halliday as register, and it is here where Bawarshi returns back to the written word, because 
Not only do literary genres have parallels in the recurring scenarios that make up social life, they are such recurring social scenes. For Halliday, register, i.e. a situation type, functions across three levels, each of which interact in fairly typified ways. These are field, what takes place communicatively, tenor, who is taking part, and mode, by what channel is language traveling, Bawarshi, 2000. Halliday located genre at the level of mode as typified tools communicants use within registers. Bawarshi, 2000, page 351. Bawarshi, however, breaks with Halliday when he assigns genre a role beyond just mode, arguing that genres create the conditions in which not only texts, but also their writers and readers function, thereby situating genre as occurring simultaneously across all three levels of Halliday's register. Page 351. This matters because a genre theory pedagogy draws upon register to orient students' attention toward scenes of writing, or discursive situation types. It is to such a pedagogy that we now turn our attention. Genre theory as a framework for reflective inquiry. One advantage of genre theory is the way it orients our attention to scenes that tend to enact repeatable situations whether these scenes are text-based or not. Such an orientation allows for a going back and forth, which helps students recognize written genres as scenes of writing, filled with purposeful attempts at communication with meaningful social aims. DeWitt, 2004. To employ a genre theory framework is to help students develop a particular mode of inquiry oriented toward occasions, situations, and scenes. Numerous researchers offer advice for implementing a genre theory pedagogy. Friedman, 1998, teaches the concept of genre as socio-culturally situated by asking students to plan a meal together. She helps them see that the meals, her substitute for genre, are occasions with context-specific needs. No soup on an airline meal. Including inappropriateness of tone, jacket and tie for a formal affair, Ultimately, she helps her students come to realize five principles of genre. A. Genre is an organizing concept for our cultural practices. B. Genres contain a range of contrasting forms. C. Genre is place and occasion. D. Cultural competence involves knowing the appropriate principle for each genre and knowing how to code switch within them and across them to move readily against them to know when and how to use them. E. Genre refers to a full range of languages available within place and occasion. 1999, page 21-22. Hillux, 1995, would recognize Friedman's approach as a gateway activity aimed at helping students detect and distinguish features across situation types, page 149. For Hillux, gateway activities are designed to build student confidence by linking their existing procedural knowledge with accessible introductions to new concepts. Situation types, then, such as customer orders goods over the phone, provide ideal gateway activities to concretize for students the social and linguistic aspects of individual discourse situations. As a result, they come to see that each situation carries with it a certain communicative template, so to speak. In a Hiloxian sense, situation types may provide the ideal link for mapping how to read genre, since students are already experts across a range of social functions.
Ezerman, 1997, might agree for, in his words, genres are environments, locations, the familiar places we go, and the guideposts we use to explore the unfamiliar, page 20. Genres are the communicative domains to which we travel, and as teachers, we constantly welcome strangers into the discursive landscapes we value. But places that are familiar and important to us may not appear intelligible or hospitable to students we try to bring into our worlds. Moreover, students bring with them their own landscapes of familiar communicative places and desires. Students bringing their own roadmaps from their previous experience would also benefit from signs posted by those familiar with the new academic landscape. However, guideposts are only there when we construct them and are only useful if others know how to read them and will only be used if they point toward destinations students see as worth going toward, page 21. Bawarshi draws once again on Bazerman by arguing that teachers can and should make genre discursive spaces, Bazerman, 2002, page 17, visible to students, not only for the sake of fostering in students a critical awareness of what genres help us do and not do, but also for the sake of enabling students to participate in these spaces more meaningfully and critically, 2003, page 18. Bawarshi ultimately argues that teachers ought to promote the idea that good writers adapt well from one genre of situation of action to another, and that the rhetorical art of adaption and repositioning should become central to our teaching of writing, especially our teaching of invention, which would then become the art of analyzing genres and positioning oneself within them. 2003, page 156. Bazerman, 1997, suggests that deeply engaged practice with genre early in a course should pay off later across a range of genres demands. A claim that deserves serious scrutiny as the implications are profound. He says, once students learn what it is to engage deeply and write well in any particular circumstance, they have a sense of possibilities of literate participation in any discursive arena. Moreover, in any new discursive circumstances they may enter into, they will have at least one set of well-developed practices to draw analogies from and contrast to. Further, if we provide students some analytical vocabulary to reflect on how genres relate to the dynamic of situations, they will be able to observe and think about their new situations with some sophistication and strategic appropriacy page 26. It is this final quote to which my project speaks, most profoundly through our class blog, which serves multiple functions, including that of the early in course particular circumstance upon which students might draw analogies from and contrast to, page 26. Planning for Meaningful Learning Experiences. Smith and Wilhelms, 2002, 2006, 2009 research on adolescent literacy practices and meaningful teaching suggests that Bazerman's claim deserves serious consideration. In an attempt to articulate reliable characteristics of meaningful learning, Smith and Wilhelm, 2002, condensed Csikszentmihalyi's eight characteristics of flow experiences into four principles. Meaningful learning experiences tend to create or require a sense of control and competence require an appropriate degree of skill, provide clear goals and feedback, and place a focus on the here and now. 2002, page 29 and 30. Together, these principles create the backdrop and motivation for meaningful learning, providing teachers with a useful framework 
with which to explore the question, where do we start when we plan instruction? Smith and Wilhelm, 2002, page 50. They suggest putting the tempting question of what am I preparing my students for aside until a more urgent question is addressed. What is the quality of experience I want them to have today? Such a question requires serious thinking about the why and how, not just the what, of what teachers teach. And they turn first to Vygotskyan apprenticeship models for guidance. Teachers need to provide students with a repertoire of expert strategies for approaching and completing particular tasks. This is a break from other views and models of teaching that see teaching as transmitting information or allowing for student discovery. Teaching then should precede development, leading the learner into uncharted and challenging waters that could be navigated with assistance. 2002, page 37, 38, and 40. While this Vygotskyan approach may guide and ultimately skill students in the what and how of learning, it fails on its own to address the why. So Smith and Wilhelm, 2006, turn elsewhere for support, drawing upon Wiggins and McTie, 1998, to round out their model of meaningful learning. Wiggins and McTie's understanding by design inquiry model creates a shared problem orientation toward learning based on the pursuit of essential questions, which immediately make learning a social project for exploration. Smith and Wilhelm, 2006, page 54 and 60. Smith and Wilhelm, 2006, argue that immediacy and functionality are essential for meaningful learning to occur, and that inquiry units achieve immediacy by requiring the making and doing of something in a social context, as well as a Bruner-esque Bruner, 1959, Barra, 2009, iterative pursuit, where new understandings are repeatedly tested against recently formed conceptions under the umbrella of essential questions, page 64. Also required is the consideration of why the conceptual material and tools we are teaching were created, what issues they were meant to address, and what this knowledge can do, page 58. Within these principles are echoes of genre theory with its emphasis on function, use, and socio-historical situatedness. Perhaps the strongest link between inquiry-based curriculum units and genre theory emerges in the way Smith and Wilhelm, 2006, highlight the importance of sequencing in their design. For them, a strong unit is organized by a shared pursuit of essential questions, which establishes an inquiry stance via sequenced lessons that define and build upon what Wilhelm 2009 has called portable problem-solving sets that carry across a range of increasingly difficult but generically similar tasks and problems in order to facilitate students' independence and recognition of strategic appropriacy. In many respects, Smith and Wilhelm 2002, 2006, 2009 advocate the use of smartly sequenced inquiry units to achieve what Bazerman suggests genre theory achieves. In both approaches, transfer is the goal. In both approaches, strong front-loading is necessary, as is explicit teaching and naming and the establishment of portable problem-solving sets or repeatable heuristics that enable students, theoretically, to transfer learning from one context to the next.